0: Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, we're joined by another special guest, so John, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello,
1: uh, I'm John Hicks uh, and I was, for a very long time, the editor of the official Xbox 360 magazine. Yeah, it's um, great to have you
0: John. Uh, so you're currently a edit- uh, digital editorial director at ReadPop, is that right? Yes, that's right. So in this episode, um, it's been a long time since we've had a magazine-themed guest come on really, so... Uh, we we knew that John would be um uh, <laughs> good value to mo- for money so to speak um just because um, he has so much experience working on uh, official Xbox magazines so we're going to talk a bit about uh, your time working on um on that mag John and uh, th- that kind of like time frame through an Xbox lens but um I suppose to kind of start with tell us a bit about your gaming history what were your sort of founding games and. What hardware did you have access to as a younger man
1: so i started out on actually it was bbc micro was the very first one because we didn't have a lot of money when i was a kid and my dad was a teacher um and obviously bbc was a was a school machine so i think he acquired one um and that was the um that was our kind of computer and we had some um you know playing like granny's garden and all those other sort of studio intellectual (laughs) things I think we had a Dragon Thirty Two, which was a very short-lived Welsh computing uh, platform, <laughs> um, and uh, and not then even we, heard of that. yeah, it's it's one of, it's one of those like retro deep cuts that uh, no one's ever heard of, but um, it had like three games on it, and they were all clones of more popular, higher graphics um, uh, Commodore games, I think. Were there, like Welsh
0: versions, like were there more cultural references thrown in, or something like that?
1: You know what? I honestly don't know. Uh, I was I was too young to know uh, to to understand uh, Welsh references at that time. I should uh, I should go, I should go back and refer to you know get Gav Murphy to uh, to explain it all for me. But um, but then we got to, me and my brother kind of clubbed together, and we had, got a Mega Drive. So uh, and then we just used to rent games for that. Like we could we got to afford like one game a year, but it was possible to go down the game rental shop and spend like. Four pounds Or whatever to get, like Desert Strike for a weekend, or you know, um, Monsters Ate My Neighbours, or you know, Echo the Dolphin, that kind of stuff. And um, and then when we sold that, I got an Amiga um, with a hard drive in it, which I bought second hand. Uh, so I got this Amiga 1200 with a 40 gigabyte hard drive in it, or something, which was absolute magic in the Amiga community, like it was all disk based. <laughs> and, um, and it came with um, loads of games, loads of cover disc software. Um, like pirated software the whole thing like the guy was just basically i think he'd got a pc so he just sold me everything um and uh and it came with um some uh magazines as well um i, I mentioned this because i'll become relevant later um but had like it was like a nearly complete run of amiga power and amiga format and that was my kind of introduction to games magazines oh, amazing it was just basically rereading amiga power over and over again i could probably quote big chunks of that magazine verbatim um <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so there was there was that, and then I kind of drifted onto PC after that, and that was as I was going to university, so I only really played the hits on PC, so that was, um, you know, like Half-Life and The Sims and Theme Hospital and, you know, um, Quake, Doom, uh, well, you know, not not in that order, I remember, I remember I was there when, when Quake came out and it was tremendously exciting that you had the ability to look up and down properly, and not in the kind of Duke Nukem 3D way where it just kind of warped strangely.
0: Hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. So your angle on gaming was sort of like more PC focused, I guess, before you started working in games media. Oh
1: yeah, completely. And then, um, and my kind of, well, that was my kind of start in media. Uh, full stop. Really, was I got a job? Actually, it was I was helping a friend who had a gig writing tutorials, like computer tutorials. And I was looking at, a, and I was looking for a job in uh, in the media, and uh, because I didn't have any nepotism connections, I was kind of striking out on that. So I <laughs> um, applied for a job on the staff writer on the official Windows XP magazine, because I uh, my my thinking was entirely entirely like this job sounds well boring, but it's at Future. <laughs> they made that cool Amiga magazine. Um, and I bet there won't be any competition because nobody in their right mind would ever want this job. Um, <laughs>
2: Is that true? There must surely, with, you know, everyone wants to get into
1: mags at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, it was that was. Uh, it turns out I was completely wrong. Like, there was uh, huge competition for this job. <laughs> it turned out, <laughs> um, but I, but I got it, and uh, and yeah, and that was, and that kind of got me into future, and then that was, and then I was, that was just in the, you know, well, yeah, that was this kind of. I don't say the golden age of magazines, but it was. It was a very magazine-heavy world, uh, and Future was um, a really, you know, kind of credible, like, at that point, kind of fast-growing company. So, they, yeah, it was just kind of Magazine Central down in Bath, and, um, and obviously lots of them were games magazines, and that was kind of how I sort of... Ended up doing games magazines, well, well, contributing to games magazines. It started just like kind of meeting people in the pub, basically, and going, I like video games, can I write about video games? And kind of annoying them until uh, (laughs) until they started giving me freelance. (laughs) So what kind of year is this? Is it like the early noughties kind of time? Yeah, so this was, came to Bath 2002, so it's 20 years this year, Hmm. terrifyingly
0: what do you remember about the kind of
1: vibe of future that
0: time aside from magazines being on top of the world like i suppose on the gaming side what kind of connections did you form and 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 how did that side of things kind of grow for you
1: i mean most of the connections were with the with the pc side of things because i was in because future at that point was scattered all over central bath um, there was um, they just because uh, they they didn't have an, an office big enough to put the whole company in, so everything was just spread all over the place. There were all these tiddly little offices, like over there was one over like a Mexican restaurant, and we were in the one over Halford's, and then there was one in a basement <laughs> sort of down the road, and you know, there was. Monmouth Street at the road. and it was basically whenever you had to do a PR meeting, you'd have to kind of phone the per- like one of the secretaries and go, oh, I need a meeting room and they'd go, Right, oh there's one in Trim Street or something like that and you'd have to and have to leave the office, walk down the stairs over the top of Halfords, walk up to Monmouth Street, meet them at reception, lead them down the road to the you know, up the stairs over the over the chicken shop and through this rabbit warren of other meeting rooms until you until you found the space. It was uh it was a very um peculiar yeah <laughs> uh, sort of vibe, but we were in because I was on the windows mag, I was down with the with the p c lot and it was uh, so mostly p c format they were um the um they did a lot of gaming stuff and uh, and then um and then really everybody else was just in the pub um and it was and i have to i you know i feel somewhat embarrassed looking back on this because i remember i because I moved to Bath for this job but never been there before. Um, and uh, we kind of, you know, did the first day, went and, you know, and then we kind of knocked it on the head early and went to the pub with, you know, with my co-workers, and, they, and m- most of the it felt like most of the company was in the pub <laughs> at that point at, the, you know, at kind of like 5pm on a uh, Monday afternoon and, um <laughs> And I just, and so the following day I was like, right, well, I guess I'll just go to the pub again and see who's there. And um, and I just did that for basically five uninterrupted years. <laughs> um, so that was how, uh, so I just ended up, and it was, and, and, you know, usually led by the PC format guys, and then I kind of got reasonably uh, chummy with the PC gamer guys, uh, and then some of the guys in the PlayStation magazines. Edge, I have a very clear memory of spending an evening in the pub with Tony Mott, <laughs> like Edge <laughs> Overlord. And God alone knows what he must have thought of me. He <laughs> like, was this idiot, twenty-one-year-old who he just joined my table. But um, yeah. he was—he was—he was very nice about it. He didn't uh, cast me out. So, uh, but yeah, that was—that was pretty much the kind of networking opportunity. And then, you know, as and we did a little bit of games on the on the Windows Mag. So. Um, if somebody came down and they had a PC build, then it would be the case that, like you know, somebody like Alec Mir would come over and go, oh, you know, go over to you know Ubisoft's demoing something in the PC Gamer office, so we, you know, we'd go down the stairs and walk across the square and go and you know go down into the uh, the basement where PC Gamer were at that time, and um, and then we'd, you it know, would we'd all get shown like Rayman or something or some, because <laughs> that was still Ubisoft was still kind of coming out of its. Weirdo French phase at that point, right? Um, so like Ubisoft showing up was a bit all oh, right. What's what, what they got this time? <laughs> um, although I do, this might be a false memory, but I do have a very clear memory of. Um, I, I, I swear it was Yves Guillemot doing the demo. Um, really? Yeah, like this little this little French dude was like, oh yeah, we got this. We got this new thing. Um, it's it's a bit of a departure for us, but we really want to break into the North American market. We think it's going to be quite quite big. It's called Splinter Cell. And um huh. and I remember being in the PC gamer office which was very dark and very gloomy and just like you know, all the the you know, lights blocked out by um windows blocked out by piles of magazines and stuff and this <laughs> and this little French guy showing us um Splinter Cell on this um on this gaming PC in the corner. I was like, This looks alright, this could this could go quite well.
0: Huh. Oh, that's um,
1: cool. But, that's uh, wild. Yeah. So yeah. So d- d- in my head, this little French guy has become Yves Guillemot. I don't know if it actually was, but I'm choosing to believe it was for the sake of making the story better. That's yeah,
2: I mean, it's a, it's a good story. There's a big asterisk <laughs>
0: on that anecdote. Then, like, it's uh,
2: this may or may not have happened. We
1: can't really. Yeah. Make sure. <laughs> uh, yeah this that's... is like all, all of my reminiscences are like this. Unfortunately, like <laughs> I've got a really terrible memory, so I'm just like I'm reasonably to be confident. This oh, I'm excited about the
0: uh, factual inaccuracies we're going to get into during the <laughs> That should be
2: good. And that's that's when I. I turned to my deputy editor Shigeru Miyamoto and said uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about this John <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go to the pub? um yeah
0: so um how did you end up moving on to oxm back in 2007 because oxm was a, a london joint right like how did how did that happen for you uh
1: it was, it was because um like i'd uh, i stayed on the on the windows mag i did keep trying to get jobs on games magazines actually but i'd um this this, this sounds like a humble bragger. i kept getting promoted oh so i would be oh. like oh, could okay, go off and be staff writer and then like, oh no you were gonna promote you on the on the windows mag and then yeah. i ended up it was when it was and this was a bit of a poison chalice because i ended up having to stick around and launch the Windows Vista magazine. Um, mm. I don't know if you ever used Windows Vista, but um, you like don't use Windows Vista. That was a, that was a bit of a disaster. And XP was, you know, the the actually the, that version of Windows was very successful. And the magazine was very successful, and then it was like, hey, let's do Windows Vista magazine. That'll be e- that'll be even more successful. And I ended up doing loads of work on that, and then um, and then we launched it, and Windows Vista was pretty good. And I was like, I think I and I, and I, and this was after five years of you know. Rotating around all the pubs in Central Bath, I was like, "I'm going to seek my fortune," <laughs> um, and I wanted to work in in games. Uh, I'd done I'd done loads of writing for pretty much well, not I it every game, but I was I was going to do loads and loads of freelance for PC Format, PC Gamer. I think I was like the technical editor of PC Gamer at that point as a freelancer, hmm. um, cool. and Edge, and Games Master, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I wanted wanted to work in games. And this job and wanted to kind of move on from Bath, and then this job came up in uh, the OXM editor job came up in in London. I thought, I, you know, well, it's working with Microsoft, I've done that. Uh, It's games, really want to do that, want to move to London. So, yeah, I applied for it and I got the job, and that was was about it. Oh, nice.
2: Do you you think the all Microsoft connection sort of helped? did help with that because i i I, it's my memory at the time that like future was maybe a bit closer to people who it did official mags with back then than it was maybe towards the end
1: yes i think it i think it helped because when well the i mean the dream with official mag and i'm sure you encountered this because you worked on one too but like the sort of the dream from of the suits was uh well well because we're official partners we should do you know elaborate marketing deals with this company and, you know, we'll, because you know, we're, we're trusted brand guardians, so they'll work with us to do, you know, crazy ad campaigns or um, that kind of stuff. And I think we ended up doing a lot of that on a uh, Windows magazine. And I think there was definitely the hope that the, more of that could be done on OXM. Right. But so, yeah, I'm, su- I'm sure that helped me. But, but the actual the Xbox group was completely separate from, uh, from all the Windows stuff. And it's actually... like you've got
2: Bill Gates who's like vouching for you. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah John, John's like a good guy.
1: <laughs> yes, no, reg- regrettably I had like I, like, I was reasonably chummy with uh, I was I was pretty chummy with the uh, with the Windows UK marketing team. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yes, yeah, so I think that was the hope, but I it didn't it didn't really work out that way. Right. Mm. That makes
0: sense. Um did you have much of a history with Xbox at that point? Like, um did you go into it with any sort of um, you know, interest in the, the original Xbox or the early days of 360, what were you kind of going into the job with?
1: Uh, I was going to, I mean, I had to, I had a 360, which was, because actually, because I was, you know, again, doing all this Windows stuff, and Microsoft were really talking up the kind of, oh, it's the connected home, you know, it's this amazing, wonderful device. And also, you know, you got to, you know, if you had a console, you got to do, you know, freelance reviews and things, so that was another <laughs> important reason to get one. Um, and I had, I'd got onto the Xbox, because I previously... I got a I, I my kind of console gaming was a PS2 at that point I bought a again second hand PS2 um mostly to play Vice City on really mm. um and then I was living with another journalist who was um big Xbox fan and he um and he was like check check out this Xbox Live thing is isn't it amazing and it was, um, and yeah, I just remember like the, just getting used to playing uh, like Project Gotham on Xbox Live, mm. and it was, and that was really, I just re- remember really enjoying that because it was so easy. Like PC gaming was such a slog at that point, like or online PC gaming you had to go through like team speak and game spy and all this nonsense and you know xbox Live. if you just plugged it in and go i'm gonna you know and then you just ended up like racing around edinburgh chatting to you know um random scousers and french people who were also playing it was and it so it was um the dream yes absolutely um and i still i I, I have really fond memories of, of um of that and then um You know, I think uh, actually we were supposed to take the day off of off work to complete Halo (laughs) Two on launch day, and uh, and actually I was late (laughs) because I had to go into work for something. So I completed the second half of Halo uh, (laughs) Two with my (laughs) flatmate at the time. So yeah, so I was kind of familiar with uh, with Xbox and you know predisposed to like it, and I thought the Xbox 360 was all right as as a platform. And I think and even then going in like. It felt like it was in a better place than the PlayStation was at that point, like because that was kind of early period PS3 where Sony were really mucking things up still. So it felt like um, And an Xbox. There was already, particularly 2007, there was starting to be some really good momentum behind it, and it felt mm. like you know it felt like a good console to be to be working with. Mm. It felt like he landed at
0: just the right time, as you know, Bioshock, Mass Effect, Halo Three, they're all kind of happening. So like. Um, yeah, I can see. uh I can see why it would it would seem that way. Um, did it feel like a golden era to you as someone running the magazine? What were the kind of next few years of it like?
1: Uh, they were. I remember because I remember the I I started in November two thousand seven. So my first experience of being the official Xbox magazine was: can I come to the Halo three launch party? And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> this is the most exclusive party imaginable. Like we gave our last spare ticket to this, you know, the voice of Big Brother or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was and it kind of that sort of set the tone, I think um there was because i mean it was it was it was a great, but like i don't I honestly don't think we'll ever have as good a year as two thousand and seven in console gaming ever again, there were just so many hits and ones that are still really celebrated, kind of stood the test of time but um, but it's it kind of stayed good for quite a while you know if you went went to 2008 we had uh, GTA 4 like Fallout 3 that was a big deal Fallout you know uh, coming over from uh, being a weird PC game to this huge RPG um uh, it, what else? Uh, Left for Dead, Far Cry 2, Rock Band. You know, there was this. We were kind of that was the the kind of the ridiculous wave of the instrument games. So kind of Guitar Hero, Rock Band, DJ Hero. Um, so yeah, so it was it was a it was a good time. Like it's the kind of the steam started to come out after a while because whilst all this was happening, like the Wii was just taking over the world, and and, uh, and Microsoft very clearly kind of switched their focus to trying to go after that, but um, but in terms of um, like those, those, I think they, you know those, those were the the sort of Xbox 360 glory years. Just both in box games and in, um, in digital as well, because obviously you know summer of arcade was the thing. So we started out with like Braid and Castle crashes and then all these retro games started showing up on the platform. Mm. So it was uh, yeah, just embarrassment of riches, really.
2: Were you on OXM when John guessed guest edited it? <laughs>
1: Uh, no, actually that was just before my time. Oh no. Oh. Tragically. <laughs> uh the the, the the stranglehold cover.
2: Yeah, I had my hilarious what did you learn about being an editor from John Woo? question that's out the window now. <laughs>
1: I, th- I I I think uh probably how to respond perfunctorily to an email uh, from the uh from memory, that's, I think how that one went. Uh, uh. Uh, I think I think we got. Um, I think we did an issue guest edited by. Uh, this is bad. Uh, Claptrap from. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> from Borderlands. Um,
2: that's, that's that's a step down from John Wu. I think. I, yes, I know. <laughs> All your hard work, and you have to attribute it to a freaking cartoon robot.
1: <laughs> it was. Uh, it was difficult. Although, actually, that was. I think. I think I can now reveal it. Uh, he actually we actually got a bunch of claptrap contributions, and they were all written by Anthony Birch. Oh wow! Uh, oh, awesome! So, um, so yes, yeah, so that, that was that was quite nice. Um, he, he kind of sent us a bunch of stuff, which we kind of scattered through the magazine, as I recall. Oh, oh that's that's, that's that's actually
2: legit. I thought that would be you up stressed late at night trying to get yourself into claptrap's headspace. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, there definitely would have been, like, me being up late, stressed at, late at I mean, night, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, shipping a magazine That's part, pretty much... That's part of the course. <laughs> yeah, I was say, that's every, every issue. But, I, yeah.
0: I can't shake the image of um, uh, John Woo in uh, Key House just sending PDFs <laughs> at, like, 9.30 at night and going to get, like, a meatball marinara at the subway around the corner and just stressing about um spelling mistakes in the cover but um we, w-
1: doves fly around him this this was london sam he would have gone to the um he would have gone to the burger king in marley station
0: <laughs> of course yeah that's uh yeah that's uh my era but um yeah that's uh that's that's really interesting yeah so xbox does kind of change over time what were the benefits to running oxm at that time did you get better access as a result of the license did it open any doors being in that particular? era of magazines
1: probably like i think it would have been um the, the, the thing about that time was because there were so many magazines and i think everybody had kind of gone into the generation expecting sony to win um and it kind of gradually dawned on everybody that 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 i mean actually ultimately it, it did win in you know by or by all metrics uh playstation did win but um but there was a period where xbox was the top was a top selling console in north america and because so many games have made in north america that kind of defined the conversation for a bit but there were Four other Xbox magazines uh, on the on on the shelves at that point, and it was just meant that there was just this incredible bun fight for every cover and every bit of um content. And um and while we were the biggest, and uh, and obviously I would claim we were the best, but um, <laughs> that's that bit, that being the constant belief of every single magazine editor is that their magazine is is the best, and uh, <laughs> all others are worthless trash. Um, uh, but it was it wasn't quite as uh, gold-plated, uh, uh, sort of golden tickets as as I as I might have uh, might have hoped for. We had to you know we had to kind of um, you know fight for stuff and and just work around embargoes and, and that kind of thing. And I think the an issue. I don't know if you've talked about this on on uh, on in, on previous podcasts, but we were kind of living in the shadow of Game Informer as well. Which was huge circulation. It was basically the the free mag you got, or you know, very heavily subsidised magazine you got um, if you uh, bought games at GameStop. I can't quite remember the the, the model of it, but basically, they, their their circulation was million, literal millions, and um, so basically. And because Xbox was such a big deal, they wanted to cover Xbox games. And their rule was: if we cover your game, if we put it on the cover, it has to be a world exclusive, mm-hmm. even though the magazine was not available outside North America. So <laughs> you just end up in these infuriating things where it would be like, "Well, can we can we do anything with it? Oh no, it's you know it's Game Informer's world exclusive, and that doesn't run out till the week after you're on sale, so you can't have anything. Sorry."
2: So that's the advantage of being an unofficial Nintendo mag: is that we were so far from anything juicy. That there was there was nothing we would want to put on our cover that Game Informer could possibly gazump. Like they were not going to do a Little King's Story cover. Like we were fine.
1: It was its own challenge. Uh, that, but um, but yeah, but but you know, at the same time, I'm not. You know, there was if it had been an unofficial magazine, and again, it must have been murder on the unofficial magazines. You know, because they were all kind of clawing over each other to. Um, to To get to get the same amount of covers, and they had you know some sort of like diminished clout, and they didn't have like you know Xbox games on the cover disc, and um, so yes, yeah, so it was I, it was a, I, it was a privileged position, but not uh, perhaps uh, as as easy as as one might think.
0: Yeah i mean as someone who was working on x360 when we did our guitar hero metallica cover john i'll have you know we had all the access <laughs> in the world um, my friend. um yeah it's it's true like you would you would definitely see uh an assassin's creed 2 cover on oxm and then it would come to um us and we'd get like an interview with like the guy who designed the weapons in assassin's creed 2 as opposed to like you know all the kind of elaborate exclusive screens and stuff but um Yeah, that's. uh, It was definitely a kind of like a pile up. Um, Two of those magazines were in my building, and so um, and future were the other two. And and actually, it was another one as well, wasn't there in Bournemouth? So yeah, um... there was
1: three hundred and sixty Gamer, which was um, which I think was even, like, their secret weapon was they came out more often than everyone else. Every three weeks, yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just it was just nuts, and that's what I was saying about the kind of like, this magazine era, like, and even when I was down in in Bath doing that kind of stuff, that was when it was like, yeah, let's do a magazine about Game Boy Advance. Let's just do a game, there's one magazine that was just GTA versus The Getaway. That was the whole that was the whole (laughs) magazine, that was just the concept. (laughs) Um... And just, and just at that point, people were like, "Let's let's just do let's do magazines. Magazines, great." Robert. It's like right, yeah.
0: Before SEO, there was just a magazine version of that question asked on um, magazine shelves. That was
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, basically like people didn't people didn't go to Google; they just went to W H Smith and just and just uh, like let, let their eyes unfocus and see what like, uh, landed before them. Yeah. Um, so um, I
0: don't know if I can ask about this, but I remember something you mentioned to me when I joined Future in 2013 was that you used to have regular trips to Microsoft. Like like every six months or something. Um, now I I can't remember the exact details of this, but is there anything you can say about what that was like and what kind of intel you got on on the company from
1: doing that? Oh lord, I mean I didn't. I don't know if. Uh, I mean the most regular trips I used to get to Microsoft was when I was still doing the Windows stuff. Like I um I actually got like a BA silver card because I was going to Seattle so often. <laughs> wow. Um, but that was um, which is which you know that's that's a kind of very shit Patrick Patrick Bateman style flex there (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh, with on Xbox it wasn't quite so again because we never really got to that level of the relationship like the um, we had the US magazine and they were kind of quite chummy with Microsoft in America but um, I I never really we never really had a kind of like oh let's get together and have a summit um, kind of thing with the Xbox stuff it was a bit more ad hoc but you know, I kind of make the effort, like go down to, you know, go down to go down to Reading, uh, where, where <laughs> Microsoft UK were, and have uh, a chat with the PRs. And then, whenever I was in, um, uh, you know, kind of go over, they used to do these product showcases um, in, uh, usually in San Francisco. And so, I'd, I'd always make a point of kind of going to those and trying to sort of ingratiate myself with, um, uh, with, you know, with the, with the Xbox folks there and the seniors there at E3. But there was. Um, yeah i don't there was never regrettably a kind of And again, like you'd think, running the official magazine that you know this this would be a thing that could happen would be you'd be able to go in and they'd go, oh right, well here's everything we're going to do this year, and uh, you could do covers on this, this, and this, and oh yeah, brilliant, that's wonderful. Like no, didn't didn't work like that at all. (laughs) You just found out about things more or less the same time as everybody else did, and sometimes after because um, (laughs) you know because their internal communication was often not the greatest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, that's that's uh, that's fair. So um, what was it like making a magazine with a demo desk? was that a headache. This is like the kind of waning days of demo discs. So, um, what were the challenges of putting that together?
1: I have to say, for me, it was absolutely um, effortless because we had a crew of three guys uh, down in uh, in Bath who who just did it. Wow! Um, and they'd been doing it for um, they've been doing it for years at that point. So they, I think, they started out as a separate company and Future acquired them. Um, when they were doing the original Xbox demo disc, hmm. and um, and they were really well plugged into you know all of Microsoft systems, where they oh you can't you can't talk to those guys because they've had to sign all these development NDAs, and they were effectively Xbox developers, huh. um, and they had all this access to all the Xbox uh, Partner Net they called it, which is what they ran the uh, 360 um, kind of testing back end on um and basically they sourced the demos and they put them on disc and they did all the testing and actually I was, I was thinking about this just before this call like we were the future was for a really long time the um the world's biggest xbox game publisher because we published <laughs> a game every we basically published an xbox game every three and a half weeks mm. <laughs> um to, in the form of this cover disc um uh, oh, and, so, uh, so
2: what, like it was considered an official game because it had it, uh, presumably been signed off and everything
1: <laughs> yeah so that was that was the whole thing so those guys had to source the demos, build the disc get it through certification <laughs> um, and you know, and then and often I think we'd, uh, that and, and again I would this would hold me up when this certification pro, uh, problem became a thing or we'd get it all together and then, and it would be like oh we've got the demo of, I don't know castle crashes and then which is which is fine it's on partnernet you can use it but when you put it on when you run it from a disk it doesn't work mm. and then so then the disk would fail so and then we'd have to go back rebuild it resubmit it you know they'd have to do, you know, kind of call in all these favors with microsoft to to get it certified and uh, and all that kind of thing but um but yeah from my point of view we just got like we was just like right send us the list of what's made it on the disk and we'll do the cover art and we'll have to mm-hmm. um chase for the uh, you know the because we're doing like age ratings like pg um you know, whether it's P G or sixteen or whatever. Um, so yeah, so actually it was for me personally it was relatively low effort. <laughs> like the those guys really had to grind to, to make it and um, but it was yeah, but it was obviously a huge benefit to the magazine. And then and again, like the, the unofficial mags, they had they had to have cover discs because that's what magazines had, but you know, I think well, Sam like they said you had to kinda of go away and make the content for the disc yourself, they had to go and record videos and podcasts and
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just sort of like, there's a blessing of modern magazines in a way that they don't have to do this, because it is like, <laughs> the deadline stress of just getting a magazine done is enough, and then uh, an additional stress that's on its own deadline tracker is just like, um, not what you need, um, and so uh, yeah, that's um,
2: definitely familiar. It's got, I'm glad that the End Gamer disc this exists this though, because it's like a record of like my 21 year old self, with no <laughs> on camera, I mean this was like pre-YouTube like YouTube being massive I guess, and it's just a uh, kind of, you know. I think back then you could have gone. This person isn't destined to be a video star. <laughs> um, uh, luckily, my later employers never saw these discs, and I've been employed uh, several times as a video, <laughs> as, as the face of a video thing, which is, you know, <laughs> we'll fool them. But um, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm fond that those things exist definitely less stressful to make than your discs from the sound of things. Yes.
1: Well it was uh well yeah and it was also I should say that the, the other tremendous advantage of having an in-house Xbox developer which is and you can't really talk about the history of the Xbox 360 with this was that it was the Red Ring of Death which is you know which uh the consoles just used to go bang with uh, alarming frequency and then but I discovered that because they were a developer they had the ability to just um uh, i can 't remember the, the, the term for it but they just returned them, so I would just like put it in a box, send it to Bath. they would send it back to Microsoft, get another dev kit back, and these are the dev kits, so these weren't the, um, the which were the kind of the development consoles you had to use to to review games on mm. um, so it wasn't a case of um, you know actually there was one case where the, where all of our dev kits broke. Um, and it was you know it was like, October, like third week in October or something like that we're like charging into the end of the year to get all this stuff and it's like and all of them red rings. <laughs> it's like pleading with the Xbox PR so we ended up with this um, I don't know what happened to it in the end it was one of the really weird sort of hi-hat Xbox um Dev kits. It had this like huge built-in hard drive, um, which we definitely weren't supposed to have. But, <laughs> <I think> she, <laughs> but she found it somewhere, so we were able to uh, to actually ship the magazine that time. And then afterwards, I discovered it's like, oh, you know, send it down to send it down to Bath. They'll they'll, they'll replace it for you. I like, um, that's
2: that's probably in Key House somewhere now, and someone's I'm, like hanging their coat on it every day or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like
0: sure I saw that when the office clout happened. I thought that's a weird looking 360, but like um, it may have just been like thrown into a skip. We'll never. No, but um yeah. yeah it was probably unkillable it was enormous <laughs> <laughs> um so we've told a lot of um press trips stories on this podcast before john you went to um you were going to e3 at this time as well i assume
1: do you have anything to share to that effect the press trip i have to mention although it wasn't an xbox 360 press trip was the uh, trip to chernobyl <laughs> um, which was when I was still doing the PC stuff, and that was for the uh, for the first Stalker game. Oh yeah, hmm. and um, and they and actually because that game was massively delayed, and THQ were publishing it. And and as I remember it, they had a kind of hey, the game's gonna, f- the game's finished. We're going to do a final launch, you know, big PR blast. We're going to take everyone to Chernobyl, and they did that three times because the game got delayed three <laughs> times. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> so think, are you meant to do
2: that many repeat visits there? <laughs>
1: Well, no, exactly, because we went, cause we went there, and it was, it was, you know, amazing experience. Like we kind of went down, uh, like toured Pripyat, um, went and had lunch in Chernobyl in this like abandoned, you know, Soviet built. It was like really weird Russian food, so sort of served by these people who looked like dinner ladies, but they all had metal teeth. Um, <laughs> stayed in this really kind of dowdy Soviet uh hotel in kiev where we just sat in the hotel bar all night and they'd kind of every half an hour they'd send in these women to do like you know local ukrainian dancing and they'd kind of like twirl up and down a bit and then they'd go out and and, um... (laughs) they
2: also have metal teeth
1: (laughs) you know i didn't inspect it too closely uh i'll be honest i was i was a good boy this is the most thq um... thing i've ever heard by the way like that's (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) It was it was amazing. And just wandering around Pripyat was um was something else cuz they were um we were, like, we had this kind of chaperone who was cause, and everyone who's who works in the zone um was like they they kind of work there for a period and then they can never come back because they've kind of absorbed their like lifetime dose of radiation. Oh, um and we were chatting to this guy and he said um and he had this really kind of unnatural calm about him. Um, And he said, oh, you know, and and he'd come over, I can't remember, he'd got some relatively advanced qualification and he'd taken this job um, and it was supposed to be a stopgap thing. But I think he said he'd just like, you know, just like living in this zone for 18 months had completely rewired his mind and he was going to, when when he had to leave, he was going to go away and become a nature photographer or something. And he was very, you know, very calm. And he, because I remember he just said he just gave us his Geiger counter, and we were just like wandering around, you know, wandering through abandoned shops in Pripyat, poking this Geiger counter into into stuff like, how how radioactive is this? Oh, you know, this this shopping camp, this shopping cart isn't very radioactive. What about oh moss? That's well radioactive. <laughs> um, and then and in, and in the background there was this there was this honking, there was this kind of kind uh, sort of siren in the background going honk honk honk. And we're like, "What's that noise?" And they were like, "If that noise changes, it'll go to. It'll start making a very loud continuous noise. And if that happens, you run back to the bus, and we have to get out immediately." Oh my like, god! Oh, <laughs> <good."> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was That was a treat. Um, wow. Uh, the I think the times on Xbox. I think because I was I kind of did it wrong because that was one of the reasons. You know, when I was you know working with all the games guys down in Bath, that was again the glory like the. I'm, sh- I'm sure this has come up before. Like the, I, I've always said this. Like the, the glory days of games media are always just before you got there. <laughs> like I remember when I showed up, it was it, that was just they'd just come to the end of all these like ridiculous PlayStation trips where they just take people snowboarding for a week uh, and then shows them five minutes of Dune Two or something, and then uh, <laughs> uh, and th- there was and there was that, and they were like, oh, it's much more sensible these days. Um, but they were still gabbing on. You know, they'd just go, oh. We've got this Vietnam set shooter, so we're going to like dangle you out the back of a Huey and strafe this field in Wiltshire kind <laughs> of um, press trip kind of stuff. And I never got to go on those because I was still on the PC Mac. And then because I came to OXM as the editor, Like the editors don't really get to do trips like that mm-hmm. because you, you just have to stay home and like argue with the sales guys and, um, <laughs> and um, muck, muck around with cover lines and things. Um so I didn't do that many, but I did a few I did there was a really good one in um Hong Kong for sleeping dogs. Oh wow. Which is another great game. So this is kinda of quite a late period as well. But um they did um but yeah, yeah it was square. Um said so I'll come out and experience the world of sleeping dogs. And it was just basically this series of like bonkers experiential things, which is like, alright, let's go in and this weird little shop that sells snake eggs and meet a person, and then climb to the top of a tenement and watch two people kickboxing, and then um, let's go ride this junk out to this um, uh, floating river in the harbour and um, eat dim sum, and um, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. was like, and that was one of those ones where I was like, okay, even though I'm the editor, I am taking this trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so, yes, I, th- I think those that was the highlight. And there were lots of other kind of you know weird boozy nights in E3 and GDC and Gamescom and those yeah Microsoft showcases and, Yeah. yeah. Did you ever go to any <laughs> Disgrace, of the, um... disgracing myself with industry luminaries sorry.
0: <laughs> no that's fine. um did you um go to any of the um, preposterous uh, E3 parties were you the kind of there around those times that that was happening Activision parties and the and the like
1: Yeah I went to I mean, this is this is how much of a square I was they had this um, they had that ridiculous um, like kind of uh, musician tasting platter show. I think it was like 2010, 2011, where they basically took out took over LA Live, and they just had this. It was like two hours of like massive musical acts, like Eminem, and um, oh god, I'm drawing a complete blank on all. Uh, like Eminem was there. I'm pretty sure Eminem was there, but it was, um, but it was just. They'd, like this, this huge act would come on and do and do their and do their popular song, and then another huge act would come along and then do their popular song. And it was because like because they had this arrangement with them to do Guitar Hero, DJ Hero, uh, all those music games. And um and this and this show went on for so long. Uh, and also because I was such a square, I um I actually left to go to the Connect showcase, <laughs> 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 like three blocks away, tour around Play a bunch of Kinect games, interview Peter Molyneux, and then go back to this Activision thing, which was still going on. Um, so that was a uh... I like the
2: idea of like I've just there's too many celebs. I have to go and listen to Peter Molyneux fib a little bit about his, <laughs> yeah. about his Milo or whatever. Yes,
1: play you know, kind of caper unconvincingly in front of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> connect sports and be told yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely fix that in, in time for release
0: um so speaking of connect there john um so what difference did that make uh to your time on the magazine as things kind of changed in the the late noughties as connect was announced did you remember being apprehensive or optimistic
1: about that transition at microsoft uh, I think it was, uh, it varied, like, it was very obviously, like, again, the focus was absolutely on, uh, on kind of chasing that enormous Wii audience, like, the like the, the, the number of people who played video games as we know them had just, just increased dramatically because of the Wii, and obviously Microsoft really wanted to get in on that, and that just meant they just obviously deprioritized. you know, the kind of the core games, you know, it was just like, oh, well, you know, we'll just... We'll do a deal with. We'll uh, we'll do some exclusive. We'll do the exclusive DLC thing for Call of Duty, and we'll do, you know, I don't know, Halo ODST or something, you know. But their real focus was into uh, Connect Sports and uh, and all that kind of thing. So that was kind of uh, not entirely welcome because because the magazine was a you know was a was a hardcore magazine and it was you know it was built on people who liked playing shooters who liked playing like you know slightly janky RPGs. If I am honest, so I was kind of apprehensive about it. But the um, the spectacle of Connect and the potential was really exciting. Like, there was like ridiculous Cirque du Soleil thing that they did to launch it, which was which I remember quite clearly because um, my boss at the time had only like he'd just taken over. He was completely new to video games, um, and it was like, oh right, so and um, and he was running the whole division, but because he was in London and I was in London, he was like, well, he was going to directly manage me and then oversee the rest of all the other magazines in the company. Oh, John can take you to E3 and you can show him how video games work, kind of thing. (laughs) And um, and I was like, all right, you can come to me to this Microsoft showcase. I don't know what it is, but they reckon it'll be pretty fancy. And we we show up, I think it was in the Galen Centre, and they kind of issue us with these, like, you know... um, and you've heard this story; it's quite well documented. But they give you kind of like ponchos with enormous glowing shoulder pads, <laughs> and, ushered, and you step. To, there's a. And you step into a living room, and there's a family watching a television. But the television's a portal, and they and this smiling, cheering, you know, nuclear family helps you through the portal, and you step out onto this show floor, and there's a giant, you know, animatronic elephant, and there's a family on a sofa flying across, and there's all these people wearing these, you know, ridiculous poncho- things with a, with a glowing. Poncho. And my boss, who's there, with you, who's a, who's other. Otherwise, normal man is kind of approaching all this with this <laughs> escalating something like terror. it <laughs> <And he laughs> leans over to me, and like, is it always like this? And I like oh yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, standard E three experience. Uh. Um, but it was, it was nuts. Um, and it, but it was, it was exciting, particularly that that debut. They were they were promising the earth, and I was like, yeah, man, this is really exciting. This is really different. You know, it's like we, only more so. And they said, in you know, we're talking like, oh, we've got. You know this version of Fable. We got this version of Steel Battalion. You know, it was it was initially it was quite it was kind of quite exciting. So even though I had you know, and it was more exciting than you know the previous um, expansion things, which had been things like you're in the movies and um, mm, the but, HD DVD know. player, of course. Oh well, yes, obviously that was the, uh, the you know the, the the great the great white hope of uh, TNX <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so by the time it launches
0: connect i feel like um there's a little bit of revisionist history with connect it was genuinely successful but was it interesting to write about for you as a, as a team
1: uh, i wouldn't go that far like it yeah i mean because it was enormously successful like it like it was like, fastest selling consumer device in history or some. it was one of those like slightly asterisked uh guinness world records that <laughs> ended up with but i think it became apparent quite early on that it wasn't actually entirely up to the job you know like all of these dreams about oh you know you are the controller and all this this interactivity and stuff and there were some and some games really worked it like like dance central genuinely i think is one one of the is like a really impressive uh, achievement i think it is the um you know it's it's like harmonics doing that thing it's like right well rock band taught you how to play music and dance central is going to teach you how to dance and it was so those there were that handful of really good ones um, if, actually, that might be generous. I don't know if that <laughs> but, was um, but yeah. But then, so much of it was just all this kind of hastily repurposed, like repurposed we shovelware, basically. You know, kind of mm. oh, we're porting Carnival games to um, <laughs> to connect or whatever. And um, yeah, so it was, and it was difficult because you know, because it's the official magazine. People don't buy the official magazine to be told the platform sucks, mm. uh, so you kind of don't take opportunities to put the boot in. But equally, um, it wasn't. You know, it was. It was difficult once it shipped, and once we started getting into all these like ropey, um, you know, kind of. You know, it doesn't really detect you all that well. Thing, and and some of them, some of them are baffling as well. Like Michael Phelps swimming. <laughs> his game. Um, it's like it's it's difficult to become excited about Michael Phelps swimming. Uh, so um, yeah, so we kind of you know, so, and, and again, like you know. You are not here to go. Oh, you know, Xbox is terrible. Connects terrible. But I think I think everybody knew uh, that this isn't really you know what we what we hoped it could be.
0: Um, which games ended up defining that three sixty era for you then, as the generation wrapped up? Do you um are there anything that you look back on as like well that was significant to me career wise and also to the platform kind of at the same time?
1: Gosh, um, I think well certainly not as it wrapped up because again because it was so it was so heavily front loaded with things like you know call of duty modern warfare and you know bioshock and mass Effect, and, and all that kind of thing i think by the, i think by the time it by the time it ended we'd seen it had kind of uh, the next everything had become next gen enough like the kind of the need for everything to be high definition motion captured annual franchise it just basically ground out so many of those publishers mm-hmm. um you know, like you know, Midway had gone and THQ had gone, and, um, you know, EA had gone from going, right, we're going to do, you know, Mirror's Edge and Dead Space and, well, The Godfather and, um, <laughs> and, 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 and Dante's Inferno, uh, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then at the end it was like, right, well, this year we've got Call of Duty and, uh, it's, it's the second year, so we've got Battlefield and there's an Assassin's Creed and, um, and it, so it was kind of, and, and that's kind of where we've been for a while. You know, it's just because you need a gigantic studio and a huge amount of money to produce games to that level of fidelity, and and all the and all the kind of the double A folks just kind of ran out of money and uh, success. Um, I mean, that's the the games I would really rate, like a like a, a, like Rock Band. I think was was really something. I would re- really like there to be a Rock Band Renaissance because I just think that was a really, you know, you like. You know, cool unifying experience i feel like there's like maybe, maybe there's a chance for like a younger the younger generation the tiktok the tiktokers to discover rock band mm. <laughs> left for dead was was a really I and mean, that, that's more of a pc game really but mm. um i remember valve were quite because i knew valve because i worked on pc stuff and the thing with left for dead was we had a um a cover fell through that i just emailed doug lombardi out of the blue and i was like hello uh, i'm running official xbox magazine now um cover's fallen through don't suppose there's anything to do with left for dead is there and he was like oh yeah sure do you want to come over tomorrow i was like sure <laughs> and he's just like right here's your flight booking um i just <laughs> replied in his email and it's like okay so i just went to heathrow and got on this plane and a car met me at the airport and took me to a hotel And the following day i just showed up and just played left for dead all day um, oh wow and, um, which is really good like really really good and we did the cover and uh, and I was like man this game's pretty good you know and then later on when it um, and then unusually they sent us um, four because it's you know four player and they sent us four check discs which were the game which were the discs that they'd had back from certification so it had been been certified it was ready to go but it wasn't actually that was the point where it went into manufacturing packaging and everything mm-hmm. um, so we had four copies of Left for Dead like 6 weeks before it came out or something mm. and we just played it in the office like endlessly like that was the lunchtime game and the and the, and the after work game for for eight, I mean it felt like weeks um, but that was a really good, really great experience, and and, and a really nice fit for Xbox Live as well. Mm. And then, um, and then you know there was all the other stuff like You know, Halo Three was was enormous. Um, you know, G- GTA Five that that kind of snuck in there, which is kind of crazy given it's still a contemporary GTA <laughs> game. Mm. But that was a, that was a huge deal when it came out. So um, yeah, and, and, there's, and there's all the other stuff that people always say, you know, like Portal Two or whatever, like. Um, there's uh yeah there was yes yeah, too too many to, too many to identify sorry yeah that's fine
0: it's a sort of a sort of a weird generation in the sense that it does definitely kind of fade out towards the end in a way that I don't think this generation did the one just gone I don't know if that was kind of waning confidence in uh sort of console gaming generally it's like you say people become more risk averse but um. Certainly seemed a little bit different on that front. Don't know if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Well, because well, the generation kind of went on way longer than anybody expected it to. Because you know, because you think like the kind of PlayStation, PlayStation Two, PlayStation Three, um, that kind of thing. There was only there was a relatively I can't remember the numbers, but it was a relatively short lifespan hmm. um, of the console. But before the next one came out. And then because, and this is my take on it, I, I can't claim that this is canonical or anything like that, but then an and Xbox came out in 2001 and then Xbox 360 came out in 2005, I think. Um, uh, so it was only kind of four years. And then Xbox 360 just kept on trucking for like seven years, I think, before they, before they replaced it. Mm. Um, and I think that was because it had a second win with Kinect, which for all of its kind of, un, you know, shortcomings was still drove huge and still based, still got lots of people playing it. Because of service games and Xbox Live, people could still keep playing online and could be patching it and that kind of stuff. And I and I and I think as an onlooker looking at Sony, I think because they took them so long to get PS three to market, like I don't think I don't think you could buy a PS three in Europe until two thousand seven, I think. That's right, yeah. Uh so yeah, so I think just the whole generation just really dragged on in a way that nobody really expected. Mm. And I think and, and, and just I just kinda of felt like and, and you know when all the double A kind of died out and everything like that, so I think everybody just kind of got locked into this, you know, franchise thinking. Um, you know, let's just 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 keep plodding along because it's still selling and we're still making money. So sure, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't really. You didn't really get that kind of. Uh, so the the. the Kind of Finder cycle stuff that you used to get on other console generations where it would be like well it's right at the end we've just got used to making games for this thing and that's when you used to get the really interesting kind of envelope pushing if, uh, if I can use that phrase kind of releases mm-hmm. um, I'm drawing a blank on it on examples of this but I think you know yeah on 360 like it was just absolutely Skyrim yeah well yeah well, I guess like Skyrim was probably one of the one of the last kind of like uh, majorly significant games and, and gta 5 i guess hmm. but it wasn't um yeah there wasn't there, there wasn't like an ico for the twilight days of the of the of the xbox 360 that, that i'm aware of
0: sure mm. that makes sense did you get much in the way of facetime with the xbox 6 john in, in that role
1: how did that go down uh not masses um there was always you know i was always you know trying but it was i think at, at that point because they were very you know xbox was enormously successful at, at that point and i think they weren't really that interested in specialist media at that point like it was all about talking to you know wired or uh, new york times or that kind of stuff i did meet them a few times um i think the um and actually, I, I will say, like I was a Phil Spencer fanboy before it was cool. <laughs> 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 if indeed it's ever been cool to be a Phil Spencer fanboy, um, but uh, but he was because uh, I because I can't remember when I met him. It was he might even he might have been back in the PC days actually because I know he did he worked on PC games before he was on Xbox. But um, but Phil Spencer was always like felt like he was a he was a nice bloke. He sincerely liked video games and he could talk author- authoritatively about them and uh and he was a bit of a nerd, and you could like talk to him about like achievement hunting and crackdown or whatever, and he would totally get it um and then I'd get i don't know twenty minutes talking to like Shane Kim or John shapper or one of those guys, and it would just be very you know that kind of slightly jet lagged windowless behind closed doors <laughs> thing at e <E3>, three <laughs> where you just get um where you're doing a round table with a bunch of business journalists, and all they talk about is like attached values and xbox live revenues and stuff so no real um i think the most interesting exposure i got to executives was um ooh, maybe 2010 was which is basically uh coming across uh don matrick john shappert i think mark Witten all of them actually not mark witten but uh don matrick and john shappert were Extremely drunk, like struggling to stand drunk, um, and very seriously and intently playing Beatles rock bands uh, on the on the rooftop bar of the of the Standard Hotel in LA. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, ever ever the keen reporter, I went up to them afterwards and said, "Okay, oh, can can I, I can't remember." I was trying to do one of those things where they'd tell me the most exciting thing at the show or anything like that. And and even dr- so drunk he could barely stand. Um, <laughs> Uh, Don Matrick would just kind of slurred out one of his pre-programmed talking points. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, thanks thanks for your time there. So, yeah,
0: having Yoko Ono on stage, that was the highlight. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, so were there any particular OXM stories or cover features you remember being happy with? Anything that teetered on the edge of disaster that came together at the last minute? I suppose what your kind of like mag highlights of, of running the mag during that time?
1: See, this is difficult because, I mean... It, and this is this is a testament to, to my own sort of lack of organisation I think um, like I like, I felt like most like most of them I feel like were teetering on the edge of disaster because I don't they, they were, I I really struggle to think of a cover where we got it all set up and it was all sorted and we did the trip and we got the art and everything was great and it was wonderful <laughs> like the only one I can think that happened was like Bioshock 2 I think the Bioshock 2 reveal mm-hmm. um everything else was you had it all set up and then it all fell to pieces you know the day after the cover should have gone and then it was just this mad panic trying to ring around at which point everything else had already been promised to another magazine so you couldn't have it um, so it was it feels like there was quite a lot of chaos running through it I think the um, the the proper the one the sort of success Snatched from the jaws of defeat, one was. Now I'm going to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to <laughs> slander people still in the industry. But it was it was an E3 colour, and I and I went for a meeting in uh, the months before E3, and I was like, "This is this is important. And we want to do this." And uh, it'd be great if we could work with you on this. And the and the and the PR director said, "Of course, John. I think this would be great. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. We will definitely have something for you. I can't say what it is because it's big secret, but it's going to be going to be massive. It's it's going to work. It's going to be great." And I was like, "Brilliant." Um, and she's like, "You uh, you'll have to ca- come out to E3 um, and we'll and we'll do it there, and it'll and it'll be wonderful." I'm like, Brilliant. And so we went and we kind of arranged the cover and we pushed back the ship date and and all this kind of thing. And um and then you go to, go to E3, massively jet lagged uh it was just me I had to run around do all the interviews do all the kind of presentations and that kind of stuff and i'm like you know emailing phoning texting is like so what can we do about this cover then and and i just basically i skip to the end there was no cover um <laughs> to this day i don't know what she was planning and <laughs> I that subsequently discovered nobody in, her, in the entire organisation knew either. Wow! About, apparently, every like all of the she was like relatively senior person, and all the people standing around were going, "Yeah, we well, didn't know what she had in mind either." So then they, um,
2: just bl- they were like bluffing to hold your cover.
1: Basically, yes, I think. <laughs> uh, I so imagine I ha- we'll have a game. <laughs> it was and it wasn't like there was even a backup or anything like we got to this point and it was this was like three days past the point of no return when the production coordinators like phoning me on the hour every hour to just shriek boy Um, that's like proper uncut gems (laughs) style anxiety (laughs) (laughs) and I was like what the hell and then um and then there's this. Um, she gave it to one of her subordinates to try and solve it, and he didn't understand the nature of the problem at all. So he just said, I'll, "I'll sort this for you." And he came back like eight hours later with like, "Here is a picture of Master Chief." And it was like, "No, no, no. That's not. That's not how magazine covers work." <laughs> 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 like, no, I, didn't, I, I didn't, you know. Um, so then we. And I and this was uh, this again and, and all of this is happening in between all the other the other routine chaos of E3. Oh. And I remember like the we were staying Future for like the only twice only twice in my career did Future ever put me in a in a decent hotel, and it was the and it was the standard in downtown. So it was um, in Hollywood. Uh, Not so yeah yeah standard in in, in Hollywood. And um, and I remember I was sharing a room with uh, with another edit, uh, editor, and he just said like every night. Um, he would he would go to bed and I would be sat there like in in bed like point like with my head in my hands looking at my laptop screen and then he 'd go to bed and he 'd wake up and I would still be in exactly the same position because <laughs> I was getting like two hours sleep a night trying to pull this together and it, and eventually we did one of those like um uh, i don 't know we, it was one of those like last minute cover hacks where we found a piece of artwork that had been that hadn 't been used in Europe. And uh, cobbled together some cover lines and did a kind of big E three, um, big E three showcase. And I think that was the Connect year, so we led with Connect. And actually, it was quite a, it was quite a nice uh, issue, and it looked really good, and it sold really well. But Ooh. God alive, it took years off my life. Oh boy, <laughs> there's a lot there that's uh, very familiar for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, so obviously, the
0: Xbox One announcement comes along in 2013. I have a very distinct memory of this because I was stay I was staying at a Bethesda preview event in like what I can only describe as like wayne manor in the middle of the british countryside (laughs) um and i woke up and um the 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 live stream had happened the night before and people were not saying positive things amongst the journalists there um obviously bethesda wasn't saying anything (laughs) um (laughs) but what's your memory of the xbox one announcement and what was that like to cover for you on the magazine side
1: this was uh, this was a, a, a difficult one because I'd actually seen it previously we'd actually been able to and this is a rare example of well, not a rare example but like uh, kind of working with the US magazine that we'd arranged that I could go to the pre-brief which was two weeks before so this was May 2013 and I flew out to Seattle um, and we had I think two, three days uh, at, uh, on campus at uh, Richmond and they, oh at uh, Redmond and um they and they sh basically they showed us everything. They wouldn't tell us the name, but they showed us everything else. And and it was a bit like and again, this is this is me being like I'm here to represent the court gamer. And uh, and it was all about oh it does it does great things with T V. Uh and here's um I think they had a Forza, so there was um so they had turn ten showing off like Forza Seven, maybe? No, I can't I can't remember which Forza Forza Five maybe. Um but that was all, and I was, and this was after. Um, and there were all these rumours swirling around and everything like that, and it was just, and it was, and obviously, you know, I'm there, and that was, that was lots of FaceTime with the execs, so, you know, interviewing, you know, Don Matrick, and again, Phil Spencer, and um, uh, and all those guys, and and just being like, are you sure people are going to like this? I feel like <laughs> I feel like my readers perhaps won't like this TV thing. I think they want the video games. And uh, and that was that was a weird <laughs> um, trip. Uh, although again, Phil Spencer uh, fanboy here. Like Phil Spencer was the only exec I spoke to in that whole two three day period who was like, "Yes, I appreciate people will think this is not ideal, but tr- like, but we're working on it. We understand, you know." Because there was there was this whole farrago about there was a rumor about oh, it's not going to let you. Use secondhand games, I think, or not being able to trade mm. secondhand games was the thing. That was the rumor, and um, and Phil Spencer was like, "Yeah, obviously, you know, absolutely, fully understand that's a, that's an important thing. Uh, we you know, we want to have a you know solution for it. You know, completely." And he and, and and Don Matrick was just like, "I've been," he was absolutely unbelievably complacent about it. In <laughs> hindsight, he was like, "I've been, do, I've been doing, I've been in this business a long time. I think it'll be fine." Um, <laughs> And I, and, I, and I went back to the office and because everyone knew I'd gone out and signed all these NDAs. And I went back to, to the team and I was like, right, gather together. And I was like, some people are going to say some bad things and it's important <laughs> that we oh, remember that the good things folks. <laughs> and, the, tr- uh, the
2: triggers on the controller are going to feel real nice in Forza. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that trotted out a lot.
1: <laughs> it was it was good. Uh, that was a honestly good feature. Um <laughs> But yeah, so then, so then, um, and we and we got all the access and the, and the assets and everything. I've, I've still got somewhere all the recordings I made on on that trip. Like I would keep meaning to sort of dig them out and see if I'm misremembering what um, how complacent <laughs> Don Matrick was. But um, but yeah, so then it was like, hey, come out to the showcase, and I was like, and i an NDA to the hilt. So and they were like, well, what do you think it's going to be, John? T? And I'm like, mm-hmm, let's let's see, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and the showcase, and that was again we we're back to Richmond. To Redmond, sorry. Uh, two weeks later, and they did the showcase, and it was all about you know NFL and television and stuff, and it went down appallingly badly. Mm. And um, and I remember because I was hanging around with Tom Bramwell because he had kind of the, the you know the, the 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 press corps hang around together on these trips, and was I he,
2: was he, he had been at Eurogamer at the time, right? Yes, Still I
1: think can. he was editor of Eurogamer yeah. at that point, and yes, no, he definitely would have been editor at that point, and. Um, because I remember he was there, 'cause because I remember we were sat there in this, like, cafeteria uh, on campus, like, waiting to be called into our interviews. And because um, I remember I was there, because I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, it's time for me to go, go and see Phil Harrison. And, and he goes and he talks to Phil Harrison, and he comes out grinning, and he's like, I can't believe he said that. And then I was like, well, what did what did he say? And then the PR comes back and says, oh, actually, Phil would like to talk to you again, Tom. And he's like, oh, brilliant, OK, go back. Goes back, and they have finished this interview. And then um, wouldn't tell me what it was about. Uh, I, I don't. I've, again, I've got appalling memory, but I, I'm fairly pretty good with this is how it went down. And then I was sat next to Tom on the plane on the way back, and he was kind of typing furiously away. And then he kind of shuts his laptop from, uh, with pride and sits back and rings the bell for a drink. And he's like, "I, you know, I'm going to." And he's like, "I'm feeling pretty good about that." <laughs> and this was this editorial that he'd written about Microsoft killing game ownership. And expects think, us to smile. I think there's a headline. And expects us to smile. And that was enormously successful. Shared all over the place. The, the, the Phil Harrison interview he'd done was a bit of a train wreck I can't remember the details but I think Harrison thought he misspoken had another go, didn't improve the situation um, and it was just oh, it was chaos and it, was, it wasn't it was a good time to be running the official Xbox magazine um, it was a great time to be running the official Xbox magazine's Facebook page because we were like the only outlet on earth Describing this thing in terms of anything other than um, you know this isn't blasphemous creation that should be scoured from uh, <laughs> uh, the eyes of man. Um, so we got inc- incredible Facebook engagement <laughs> um, because of all these people fighting with us. I don't know. This, this is an aside, but when I left it at OXM, like the, uh, I think it was not like, the biggest gaming Facebook group in the country, mm. and uh, because basically because it attached it, it attacked. Attracted all these people who'd come into Slate Xbox, and then all the faithful rushed in to defend it. So we had this we had this huge Facebook community. Um, but, but the whole, but then that, that whole period was. Um, and again, Microsoft said this at the pre-brief. It's like, well, we're going to do the announcement in May, and it's going to be quite technical, and it's going to be about the um, you know the kind of the, the multimedia entertainment, you know, all in one Xbox One thing. Uh, and then we'll do, and then we'll go big with the games at E3. And I was like, okay, fine. So then I was like, okay, so we've got. Six weeks of being kicked all over the internet, and then E3 will happen, and then they'll announce all the games, and it will be great. <coughs> and and they did now the Microsoft's conference always was first, I think, or still is. Mm-hmm. I believe that's still the case. So we went to the Microsoft conference, and they announced the games, and it was okay. Uh, I can't, I honestly can't remember what was announced, but it was things like you know Dead Rising three and and five and Rise. Infinity. Would it have been Rise? Rise, think... yes, that was Rise. Looked very shiny. I think the
0: Phantom Pain was there, maybe,
1: maybe super early, but. I don't know. Yeah, I I can't remember, uh, but we did it, and it was, and I was like, okay, that's that's all right, that's that's fine. Uh, and then um, we, and I was with the US team, um, and we went, and then there was Microsoft. Usually, again, this this is my memory; I'm probably wrong, but they would do a showcase event at the 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 evening of the of the conference where they go, right? We've got all the games, or some of the games you can play to them. You can, you know, see the talent, you know, all that stuff. Um, and there would usually be some you know music acts would come like a popular music act would come and play one song um to make it feel like a lifestyle event <laughs> um and we and this was this was downtown l a somewhere so we went to uh, and then, and it was and it was a bit benighted uh downtown l a at that point so we went we ended up in this hotel down the road uh in the like in the in the bar lobby area just waiting um kind of killing time for about ninety minutes before this thing started. And that was when the Sony conference was. And they had the Sony conference they had put on on the big screens in the, in the hotel bar. And because it was LA during E3, there were loads of gamers there. And, and then and Sony did this absolute barnstorming conference they did the thing about the game sharing where Adam Boys gave him the disc. Mm. You know, like they absolutely crucified Microsoft. And then, uh, and then, and we and we went and I, well, I went from thinking, oh, that wasn't too bad, to going, oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went to this Xbox showcase, and it was like a wake. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> like everybody had seen this thing, and everybody was like, "Ooh, I don't think we're going to come out best out of this." Um, <laughs> Well, I say not everybody, like obviously the you know, the the exact like they were they were putting a brave face on it and um and they were kind of Oh why well, you know I think we've got a good offering, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But all the media the there and they were like, mate, you've you've had it. Because I remember watching uh, it and you
2: were like, Oh, that's the next generation then. You know, it felt as sort of sort of locked down by one press conference there in the moment it was yeah it was it was pretty pretty spectacular year
1: <laughs> yeah it was it was it was an interesting time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh...
0: did you watch the um making of documentary uh on the xbox that they did recently john to celebrate the um the anniversary did you
1: um i haven't actually okay. um i've been because yeah because i, I want to kind of go through like, I, I need to uh, cross-reference it with my own <laughs> <laughs> memories and experiences see if anything's being whitewashed out well it's really
0: interesting because the execs including don matrick are really honest about how that xbox one launch went and it kind of feels like that's i know we're in quite a nice place now where it's not as sore a spot um to sort of discuss but uh it took them a few years to get out of that obviously but um yeah really interesting stuff so um I guess, like the first year of the Xbox One happens, and that coincides with you um, leaving OXM. So, what were the final days like of your version of the magazine?
1: Uh, well, it was it was weird because because we were we were made redundant <laughs> basically. So that was so from a actually so from a gaming point of view, it wasn't wonderful because obviously you know Xbox had been was in the doldrums and stayed there for a while, and it was and you know obviously the launch games weren't particularly good, and you know they I don't. I, I struggled to identify a, a, like any console that had a really strong launch lineup, but we were kind of like slogging through things like Gunstringer and Rise and uh, and that kind of stuff, and um, <laughs> uh, you know other 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 classics. <laughs> and uh, but then uh, concurrently with that, Future, which was had not been doing very well for some time at that point, um, decided that it was going to close the London office or dramatically downsize the London office, close a bunch of staff. Um, you know that was that was they, they sort of shuttered C V G I I think um, I think that was when they closed Fish and Nintendo Matty was it at was yeah, yeah. that time yeah so yeah so it was all very um, and it was so then it was like well you can your jobs are moving to, to Bath if you want to move to Bath and nobody on the team wanted to move to Bath so we were like well I guess we'll be off then um, so it wasn't <laughs> uh, a very uh, inspirational or creative time it just kind of sort of faded away really um but uh although it was you know it was I had to go through you know because there's um making people redundant is a, is a very long drawn out process there's always kind of consultation which I had to go through and you know working with the guys on total film and everything so it was um yeah rough rough time not really uh particularly positive like we, we kept making the mag um mm-hmm. and we did the best we could with um with the games we had, which were uh, not—I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to think what we would have put on the cover at that you Did point.
2: an evolve <laughs> cover?
1: <laughs> well, there, well, there we go. That's, uh, that's absolutely. T- uh,
2: would have been a bit of Titanfall in the mix. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Titanfall—that was a great white hope, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it was. Uh, yeah. Respawn. They'll do it. That was, that we. A we time. look.
2: Because I, I. I remember this time. Because obviously, I inherited OXM from you. Because uh, I was like the one person at Future London who wanted to go to bar, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that was that was great. Like you know, as as you know, as rough as it is, the way it ended for everyone in London, you know, it kind of saved my bacon in a, in a roundabout way. Um, yeah. But I remember like I'd never worked on an Xbox Mag, and I remember like we just we we studied your Xbox One covers. Like religiously, to try and crack <laughs> the code of what was a good Xbox cover and what people liked, and I so I remember because you hadn't done that many, you know you'd maybe done like a year of them or something at Max or something yeah, like that almost, and yeah. and just having, you know, we had them on like a... I think we even had them on a board with their, like, sales figures. And we were constantly looking at them as if somehow we'd see through the Matrix and work out, like, what was going to be a good Xbox mag going forward. And there was always, like, a Vol... I think your Evolve cover had done weirdly well. So we were like, is there learning from this? We do lots of Evolve covers. Um, I will tell you now, that was not the learning you should take.
1: <laughs> I i mean i don't remember the evolve cover doing that well <laughs> um i think um... oh
2: god that would be typical if i based all, all my uh <laughs> thinking on incorrect stats
1: <laughs> yeah like I, just, you know, I think i think you got the wrong spreadsheet on that one yeah um yeah but I mean, it was I mean, you know the formula for xm was always like is basically is it a shooter or an rpg That'll, that that was that was what the audience liked yeah um I
2: I I think uh, one thing you guys did really well as a team, and I don't know, well, you you must have been a a key part of this, but you guys were like super diversified in terms of like you had the website, the Facebook, you had uh, log making like comedy YouTube videos. It felt like OXM was was sort of dipping its toes in lots of waters for a magazine team
1: yeah absolutely and that was and I, I think you know in hindsight i think i probably didn't do the magazine justice really because i was because i was very much like hey we should definitely do. But, but also because when i took over and i'd spent years down in bath with with these kind of old school print guys on the tech side who were just a little bit you know snarky about the internet and it Ooh. was very clear that the internet was the future um and kept so i mean, It's like right well, let's definitely do stuff with the website and then um and then we got talking to Microsoft when they were doing Inside Xbox and when we were, and, um, and that was Dan Mar and Andy Farren and I think Dan Mar was like well we could we could you could do a we could probably make space for a weekly video uh, on the on the Xbox dash from OX. and it was like yes brilliant we'll do it and uh, and Log wanted to do his comedy videos and um, we had a really good really creative team who were really up for doing that stuff? I would go to, you know, and obviously, you know, Mike Channel, He, you know, he's on, on outside Xbox now, <laughs> mm. which I kind of accidentally uh, had, a plan, had a hand had a hand of genesis of because I was like, and Mike didn't really know anything about video. I was like, Mike, we need to make a video every week ago, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he very much to his credit uh, was able to kind of pick that up and run with it, and um, and, and look where di- it got him. Yes, oh yeah, it all, it, it did brilliantly. <laughs> yes, um, but then, yeah, there was so much. Like, I remember we did. Uh, like there's something like we went to a um, we were in the pub after a launch event for or a press event for a Deadpool game I think I remember this quite clearly and I was just um, uh, in the pub with like Log and Matt Lee's and and, and maybe maybe Mike a few other people and we were just talking about how terrible the, the Family Guy game was and um, and we just had, and it was a pub conversation it's like you, you could you could probably create a formula to review this game and how bad it is and Log was like yeah I could probably program that it would be very basic JavaScript I was like, oh shall we do it yeah we should do it so then Log went away learned basic <laughs> JavaScript and we published an interactive review of Family Guy on the OXM <laughs> website which was just basically a series of um, I mean it was really funny Like everything Log, Log, Log wrote was hilarious but um, it was basically you got to kind of tick the box like Tick which offensive statement you agreed with, and the number, and it kind of added up to up up, up to a score out of ten. <laughs> um, and um, and, it was, and that was that um, was yeah, that was. I, I don't think anybody else was silly enough to do that. They were probably making a magazine. They were probably make a better magazine because they had <laughs> they should have put more time into that. But um, but yeah, that was. Um, but yeah, like particularly t- you know t- t- through that period with you know like Log and Matt and Mike and Edwin, Efa, everybody was was up for do it for doing that for that kind of thing and it was like yeah let's do this on facebook let's do a community event let's do this video series And um yes yeah, so yeah. very patient production editor and i editor. so we're like we have to do the magazine as well <laughs> <Come on.
2: laughs> you always seem to be having a lot of fun um and there was always a risk of log and gav coming up to you and asking you to do something completely random for four seconds while they filmed it, and then eventually you'd get stitched into a comedy video like two (laughs) months later. They'd be like, hold this (laughs) sausage and say, like, I love Bowser. And you'd be like, all right, I mean, (laughs) as as long as this isn't going to make me look bad. (laughs) Like, no, zero context.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they would have spoiled it if you didn't know the context. (laughs) Because the OXM report, because again, because they started out as videos to um, go on the Xbox Dash, and uh, which meant they had to go through this approval process and like localization for Europe and all this kind of stuff. And I remember there was this <laughs> lovely bloke. His name escapes me. but He was Italian, and he worked out of the, out of their their office in Soho. And I'd send him the OXM report, and he'd be like, "John, I can't put this on the on on, on the Xbox Dash. I would be murdered." <laughs> and I was like, "It's fine." He's like, "You can't put a video out say we're calling the Boobysoft. That's not that's not a thing." <laughs> And uh, yeah, but yeah, there was all sorts of stuff, like we did a yeah like you know I think Gavin like Quintin Smith on this like forza road trip uh did this kind of top gear style diary thing yeah later i'm i'm just i'm just uh reminiscing uh at random here, but um but yeah it was it was it was fun we did we did a lot of stuff, <laughs> probably too much stuff in hindsight, but um but it it seemed to be well received people. Mm. we enjoyed it yeah
0: like the exposure of being on that um xbox dash must have been enormous as well like um you would just see it whenever you turn the console on so um yeah that content was probably read by loads and loads of people oh sorry seen by loads and loads of people so that's um exciting yeah it was it was it was
1: enormously successful, and it was because that was a, that was kind of weird because I, I kind of got the impression there was a kind of turf war with Major Nelson. <laughs> kind of got, got the got the sense of it, but yeah, but that, that was a, that was a huge, um, huge uh, thing, you know, massive following. And then, of course, when when Microsoft's going kind to of shut it down, that's when obviously that's where outside Xbox came from, and, and Dan went off with his with his um, crew and launched Explosive Allen, and Major so, Nelson
2: uh, breathed, a, a breathed a sigh of relief, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: knowing that he'd finally sorted those young oh. stuff How did you? Um, Observe
0: games media changing in the years you were editing the magazine, John. What sort of changed from 2007 through to 2014?
1: Well, uh, I think it was, well 2000. I mean, again, because I'd started doing this in 2002, so I've kind of seen the rise of websites, and that by the time I, you know, got to OXM, that was well advanced. Um, and there was still because there were so many magazines, and I think s- magazine covers were still kind of prized by some some people in the industry and some PRs. But the kind of the the focused switch increasingly to digital you know like um getting a magazine cover or hitting a magazine embargo didn't really matter so much um unless it was game informer game informer had the ability to kind of uh set the agenda a little bit because it was because it was so huge still but everything else would was just like oh yeah we you know it's just going to go on ign and you can do a cover whenever kind of kind of vibe <laughs> and um it was never that dismissive but it was it was relatively rare to get like a sp- Genuine exclusive on the magazine, you know, like you'd, the best you could do was kind of time it to when, uh, to when the embargo lifted generally, and that and that trend continued, and then um, and obviously it was the rise of the YouTubers, um, the influencers as, as, as they now are, um, but that was because I think YouTube only launched in like two thousand seven or something crazy like that. It's not that old, um, but it got really big really quickly, so we got to the you know, kind of, it became apparent where you'd meet these people at the Call of Duty, because um, it was because we were in London, they were like there were all these press events all the time. Like there was this crazy run of, um, yeah, again in the in the early periods, like kind of 2008 through 2012, like you know all the way through from like September onwards, there was at least two, you know, free bars <laughs> going <laughs> every, every week where you could go to. Oh, you know, we've got DJ Blakey playing for those, of DJ Hero. We've got this thing going on for. Um, Call of Duty, oh we got this this going for Borderlands or whatever. Um and you go to the the, um, the Call of Duty D L C thing and there'd be some YouTubers there. You know, it's kind of like kind of like anxious and polite sort of sixteen year old boys <laughs> who had um you know, five hundred thousand um, oh, yeah. YouTube subscribers and, and yeah and and, and you know, and, and, and so it went. I think the um, it was you know, the, the there was also the, the, the downfall downfall of print sounds a bit the kind of the significance of print waning was more accelerated in the u.s of course i again, game informer hung in there but you know it's very difficult to make magazines in america because i towards the end of my time like they they got rid of the u.s team and we had to make that mag um so i had to got got quite into that at, at that point but um but as the u.s magazines diminished the, the, all the PR decisions were made in North America anyway. Really, then they just got handed down to the rest of the world to to enact. Mm. So that kind of that kind of faded. Um, but yeah, so yes, yeah, sorry, rambling now. But yeah, the, the the short answer is like websites took over, and then um, YouTube took over from them, and that was well advanced right. as I left. Yeah, of course.
0: Um, so I'm uh, kind of interested. You had a really interesting career arc since then because now in this very senior um, editorial position do you want to talk about what you um where you sort of went after OXM and, and how you ended up where you are now at ReadPop?
1: sure so i mean i left like again the uh, my job was um I had, to leave, I had to leave that exam, and actually, because I'd been through the, the Xbox launch, I, I hadn't really planned to stay past the Xbox One launch anyway, because I'd been on the mag for seven years at that point, and I wanted to do something else. Um, and then, obviously, the Xbox One launch wasn't much fun anyway, so I definitely did want to hang around for that. Um, but I went to Gamer Network, uh, as was, uh, to do... A project called Gamers Edition, oh, which yeah. was, which, which I'm going to call was, I'm going to say was before its time, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which was because that was the kind of we were well into the kind of indie renaissance then, you know, um, uh, you know kind of indie games had become really become a force uh, in the industry uh, and we had this idea that, um, that I came up with um, with uh, me and, uh, and Tom Brahma Rupert and a few other guys we were talking to that would do like collector's editions for these games because they're all digitally, they're digitally sold and people wanted to buy physical editions so uh, I, jo- I joined them to run that which I did for a bit uh, didn't really work out uh, I still think the uh, well I know the idea was good because, like Limited Run, are doing a really good job of it Run. now. But, um, but we we didn't we we it didn't work for us, um, for, for a variety of reasons. And uh, so I kind of then moved into because I was um kind of indie adjacent and editorial adjacent. So I ended up doing a bit of work on the on the events, so E G X and Res. Um, so I ended up running the um, the second stage we added to the E G X shows, the Res sessions, and, and kind of helping out with. All, all sorts of things, really, like kind of helping out with the events and marketing, and and then it was audience development uh, was 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 the was the was the job title, and it was uh, lots of things, kind of um, basically. And, it, and that was like looking at you know where where we were publishing to, what works coming up, you know, kind of helping out with like SEO and social media strategy and uh, and things like that. Uh, and then that kind of grew into a sort of more editorial focused role. Um, and then the company got acquired by Readpop, uh and then, you know, a variety of other things have happened in that time. So I've ended up as as editorial director, so I'm kind of overseeing all of the um Gamer Network or what were the Gamer Network now now Readpop brands. So it was um it was it was a it, yes, it was it was a funny couple of years, but I did I did a lot of stuff and it was uh, because you know, Gamer Network was still a family business at that point, it was it was possible to do that. Like it was mm. a really cool place to be. Um You know, really, obviously, you know, like, you know, a place like like Eurogamer, you know, sort of peerless reputation, Um, and, you know, Rock Paper Shotgun, for 7 outside Xbox, Digital Foundry, there's some really um, strong websites, like, those guys know what they're doing. Mm. Um, But but it was also, it was was a family business, so it was a bit sort of, you know, there wasn't a huge team, like, there wasn't, like, as far as the editorial group was, like, I was the management layer, like, just me, there wasn't, like, a group of (laughs) publishers or marketing people or anything like that, it was just me sort of helping out where I could. Um and it's all it's all a bit more formal now. But uh, but it was but it was fun. Um and it and it, and it was it was fun to kinda of work on the indie side and, and work with the events as well. Um it's really it's really uh events are a little bit like magazines in that respect where it's a kind of big push to deliver something and then yeah. you deliver the thing and you feel good about it. Um it's well, that kind of reward. We've all
2: in a yeah, in our different ways been involved with uh live events now and I definitely um, at their best, got that same energy of like, wow, it was that was a lot of hard work, but we kind of got it done. Like we yeah. kind of put, we kind of pulled it off, and and kind of, you know, it didn't all collapse. No one got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're all very tired
0: now for like three weeks. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, um,
2: yeah, yeah. No, that's
0: that, that's really cool. I think you, you're right about the games edition thing as well. Like, um, they were that was some really cool stuff you were doing there, and then it was just yeah, maybe like two, three years too early, something like that, but.
1: I don't know this stuff is uh... yeah. it was yeah it was it's 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 really difficult to make physical items <laughs> and then again we, we you you' learned this from magazines as well <laughs> um but um yeah, but it was you know
0: learning experience for, for sure. Um, So, um, to wrap up then, John, what do you make of Xbox as it currently stands? Do you currently own any uh, sort of contemporary Xbox hardware? Where are you at with it these days?
1: Uh, I've got an Xbox uh, Series S, Mm -hmm. uh, the cheap one. I don't play that many games on it, honestly. I think the the game I play more than anything else these days is just Spelunky 2. (laughs) But... But I think Xbox is in is in a really good place still. I mean, obviously Phil Harris, uh, Phil Harrison, Phil Spencer <laughs> inherited the earth, and and, it, and it's and it's been sort of wild this acquisition spree they've been on, you know, because absolutely, like Bethesda RPGs were absolutely the number one. Thing for the magazine back when I was running it, like yeah, it gets gets Skyrim on the cover or Fallout New Vegas. Those are always enormously popular, enormously successful things. And um, and now Microsoft owns Bethesda, (laughs) and then Call of Duty's got popular, and Microsoft owns Call of Duty, and it owns. Double fine and it owns all this stuff. And it's um and it's still Phil Spencer running it, and Phil Spencer still seems to be quite a sort of nice, rational bloke who's got his head screwed on, and he's doing the right things. So yeah, so it's it's really weird. Like it's kind of like this kind of monkeys paw <laughs> suspicion. It's like is this a wish I made at some point finally <laughs> coming good where Microsoft just owns all the studios? The um, thing is,
2: you know that they would have acquired Activision just after your cover and wallet's in that's the
1: Oh yeah, completely. And like, then if would've... you were making
2: mags now, it would still be tough.
1: <laughs> yes, like I have absolutely no faith that it would have made making the magazine any easier at all. <laughs> but um, but you know, we wouldn't have had to uh, worry about competing with PlayStation Magazine. So that, that would be that. But um, mm. but yeah, but I, but I think they're in. I think it's in a good place. Like I think obviously they're still. I don't. I think the misstep of the Xbox One mean you know the PS4 was so far ahead. Um, and I think that's still kind of that kind of, that that impact kinda of lingered. But I think, you know, the the focus they have now, it's all you know, it's very kind of digital, it's it's all about, you know, sort of the streaming and uh, game pass and um and all that kind of thing. And they've and they've got this incredible range of studios. And um and the and the hardware's good. Like again got the Xbox one nice good good piece of hardware, great controller. Um, so I feel, you know, um I'm I'm kind of when I left OXM, I kind of stepped back from um, paying very close attention. Like it had been like seven years of feeling like I have to play every single Call of Duty and every single Assassin's Creed. Like I've got to have an I've got to have a take if challenged. Somebody <laughs> right. may ask my opinion on this <laughs> on, the, on the top five games. Uh, and, when, and when I stopped, I was like, "Don't have to do that anymore and relax." Um, I'll play Spelunky so for seven years now. That will be basically <laughs> yeah. and Hitman. Um, so. <laughs> Like basically just felt like absolutely crazy play times for like Spelunky and Hitman <laughs> those, those are the games I play now. what are
0: the um, oh, got to ask John what are your favourite Hitman levels of the um, World of Assassination trilogy you got like a top three?
1: Oh lord uh, Sapienza obviously yeah. I'm trying to remember them now because I haven't played it for a little bit um, not Colorado Colorado's dreadful <laughs> um, Paris <laughs>
0: you're a big Paris guy
1: yeah no Paris really well because I, because I've played these, played these games so much. You like your car games. You, you're a Miami fan. It's Miami's not bad. It's quite big, um, mm. but yeah, you can, you can, you can do a lot. You can get the uh, the, the flamingo costume. You can make that work. Whittleton <laughs> yeah. Creek. That's uh, classic. Feels like. Yeah, I, I, didn't like it as much as everybody else, and, and I, and I really liked a new life, which is obviously everyone says, oh, that's what he's riffing mm. on. But uh, Whittleton Creek just was, wasn't uh, as exciting for me. Mm. The hospital on a mountain. Well, uh Hokkaido was it? Oh, Hokkaido, yes. Yeah. Of course. Um,
2: the, the, the greatest in my
1: opinion. It's uh well, it's it's good. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, like I I cuz I Basically, because I because I, I, was, I was playing them on Steam and I've got that kind of really terrifying counter on Steam, where it's like you've been playing this game for fourteen hundred hours. <laughs> right. And I was like, I should stop playing Hitman. I should find something else to do with my yeah. finite time on this earth. So I've been trying to go cold turkey, and, and that's kind of blanking blanking my memories a little bit. Yeah, sorry, this
0: is this is undoing all the good work you've done to get your life back on track from uh, from that day. Shin. But um,
1: we have to. No, I'm suddenly remembering. It's like I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't get all the stories in, in the in the Berlin mission. I should go back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the um the DLC levels for Hitman 2 are pretty solid as well. But um oh, it's really really well made. Yeah, out. for sure. Oh uh, well um thanks so much for joining us, John. it's been great to to hear you talk about your memories of um working on OXM, so really appreciate it. But um where no you, yeah, where can people find you on social media?
1: Uh well I'm I'm on Twitter, I am at Mr John T on Twitter, although I am very rarely on Twitter. That's another thing I'm trying to I've tried to give up. But uh that if you want to find me anywhere that's that's where I I'm I feel going.
0: like when you do tweet it's like sporadic, but it's usually gold. That's kind of it. Like for you, <laughs> for you it's oh. all about kind of like hit rate. <laughs> you know.
1: But uh yeah. Um Stuff. Well, I, will, I will i will endeavor to live up to this to this uh, promotion to your list yeah no pressure uh,
2: matthew where can people find you on twitter <laughs> Uh, mr basil underscore pesto i've got a low hit rate
1: i was gonna say like you've got you've got the blorco tweet matthew you're you're an influencer now that's one for the ages oh
0: i'm do you know what matthew i'm really waiting for one of my tweets to blow up so i can go wow this blew up now check out my friend matthew's blorco tweet in the replies below like i'm desperate to do that so um watch this space i'll um i'll keep reaching for it'll me. happen for you I'll, I'll <laughs> so we're back page pod on twitter if you want to follow the podcast and um thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week bye bye for now